We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. As this episode airs after the new year, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. May 2022 just ease the fuck up on all of us. Christ, yes. (laughs) Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 13, Tiny. The original air date of this episode was February 10th, 2013. The writers were Christine Boylan and Kalinda Vasquez. The director was Guy Furland. Furland's career began when he landed a job as Joel Schumacher's assistant three days after receiving his Bachelor of Arts degree. Over the subsequent five years, he worked with Schumacher on Cousins, Flatliners, If Looks Could Kill, Dying Young, Falling Down, and The Client. Since then, his directing credits have grown to include such titles as Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights, The Riches, Torchwood, Homeland, The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, Ray Donovan, Elementary, SWAT, and Yellowstone. He will go on to direct two more episodes of Once Upon a Time. The title card for this episode is Tiny the Giant. We begin in Storybrooke, where Mr. Gold arrives at Mary Margaret's apartment and sees Emma packing her bags along with Henry. He sasses that the deal was meant for Emma alone, but Emma tells him that she does not want to leave Henry alone when Cora is skulking around Storybrooke. Mr. Gold concedes to the altered plans, revealing he will need to purchase another plane ticket and all expenses are on him. Don't pretend you aren't happy Henry is coming, dude. You love that kid. And you know he brought good snacks. Oh, the best snacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's got like ho-hos. Yeah, let's go Apollo bars. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the Pants only one who's actually seen, seen the outside world. So even though he didn't take a plane to go, you know, hunt down Emma. But, but he's, he's been seen, on a bus. But he's been on a bus. So he knows <laughs> what a long haul, like, requires. He gets it. He's been in the world. He's seen things. He's done things. <laughs> he's, he is a seasoned veteran. <laughs> David pleads with Mr. Gold to keep his family safe. Initially thinking this was going to come out as a threat, Mr. Gold relaxes and promises that no harm will come to David's daughter and grandson. After all, he says, we have a deal. I love this because sweet Grandpa Himbo comes at Gold like he's totally going to rough him up. And you see Gold physically puffing himself up, like preparing to get defensive. And when David realizes he is in like this offensive stance he then goes like all puppy eyes and then you see gold visibly releasing his tension and he's totally confused for a hot minute like oh yeah oh yeah yeah we're kind of friends sometimes maybe i I don't know (laughs) and i just appreciate all of like this really subtle body language between josh dallas and robert carlisle it's really amazing i love that charming's like I thought we were kind of bros, dude. Like, just just be nice to my daughter and grandson. Like, don't let them die. Yeah. Please. Bare minimum. <laughs> Bare minimum. Do not, do not let them die. It's a pretty low bar. Yeah. Emma and Henry ride along on the car with Mr. Gold. Henry asks where they are going, and Mr. Gold avoids his question by saying, Logan International Airport. Emma begins wondering whether or not the shawl will allow Mr. Gold to retain his memories, but he assures her it will. They drive over the border, and when they cross, he tells them that his name is Rumpelstiltskin and that they are going to find his son. Shouldn't Gold secure his shawl better on himself? Like, it's just loosely laying around his neck, and it's stressing me out. Like, pin it together, something. It's not great. Like, what if he drops something and, like, leans over to pick it up, and the scarf falls off his neck, and then he's just like, who are you? Who am I? What's a car? What's driving? And then they hit a tree. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, he should pin it on with a lovely brooch. Yeah, he takes some a- sort of precaution. It's like pretty big stakes for him to just be like, I'll just loosely put it here. <laughs> I know, like tie it, anything. Anything. Like the, little, like the little scarf loop where you like tuck it in around itself, you know? The thing that British gentlemen do. Yeah. Yeah. You're smarter than this, sir. It, it is kind of a dumb, dumb move for a smart guy. I mean, his smarts come and go. <laughs> well, I want to say- true. It's true. For, for, for a, a smart true. man. For a yeah, smart man, he okay, has here's some this. dumb, dumb moments. <laughs> he's smart, right? Like he's smart, but he sometimes lacks common sense. He, I go. think, yes. yeah, I think that he's very much the textbook definition of book smart, street stupid sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, because he got so far removed from being street smarts that, you know, by being like all powerful and shit that mm. he- uh, he lost touch with it. Yeah, he's he's the equivalent of a D&D when you have a good wisdom score, but a shit intelligence one. Yeah. Well, I think we, we see a perfect example of this actually later on this episode. This is why him and Charming, yeah. though, are friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they both just dumb and need to stare at a wall. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, friend, we're going to watch paint dry today. Okay. <laughs> and then we're going to smash things, right? Yes. It's going to be great. Then we'll get a burger and a beer. <laughs> sweet back in mary margaret's apartment david and mary margaret prepare to search for cora and get a little flirty hey snow like really wants to take advantage of the fact that their daughter and grandson are out of the loft also i agree with mary margaret he does look cute in that holster oh he does they're really cute and domestic in this episode and mm-hmm. i really love that yeah that's super cute they then run into Regina, who once again denies killing Archie Hopper. They apologize for suspecting her and reveal that he is alive. When Snow reveals that it was Cora who framed her, Regina insists that she needs to see Henry, who she needs to protect. The Charmings then tell her that Emma has left Storybrooke with Henry. While Regina feigns not knowing that her mother is in town and that Dr. Hopper is alive, she's upset that Emma took Henry without her being told. They tell her that Emma does not need to run anything by her, to which she half-heartedly agrees before leaving. Awkward. Ouch. (laughs) Hook is taken out of the hospital by Mary Margaret, David, and Leroy, who question him about Cora's plans. As he limps down the docks, Hook says, you didn't even ask about my recovery. Knowing she is going to completely regret asking him, Snow says, how are you feeling, Hook? To which the pirate replies, come closer and feel for yourself. Of course, this makes a himbo big mad, and Hook is pressed for information. Charming is like, don't you look at my wife, I'll kill you. <laughs> I love Snow's delivery of, how are you feeling, Hook? Like, what a gem. I love her. This, this scene's great. She's perfect. I adore she, that woman. <laughs> she has some, like, really stellar line delivery in this, in this uh, episode. Like, I love that. How are you feeling, Hook? Like it's that that's I'll con- play along, even though I know <laughs> I'm totally going to regret it. <laughs> it's definitely like it's it's plastering a veneer of congeniality over being really fucking done with this guy's shit already. <laughs> I know it hook and hook fucking lives for like the chagrin. Uh-huh. <laughs> the storybook plot in this is just really fun in this episode. I like it the storybook plot in this the episode. Storybook- plot is very fun and and even though like hook is you know hook 
Ugh. <laughs> it's not like gross. Like like we're no, all sitting no. here laughing. Like it's just like oh, like this uh, is this is the okay hook flirting. Like it's, it's not the skeezy that it gets when certain dudes have written him. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's he's like backing Mary Margaret up in like a really close no, and uncomfortable not personal space. Yeah, it's not totally it's not, not threatening. threatening, which was part of the problem with it before. This time you're just like, all right, come on, you like, big like, let's go. Right. You exactly expect like a Pratt roll, drum roll, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, to like follow him with every yeah. little quip. And mm-hmm. he's just like throwing it out and there's like no real intention mm-hmm. there. Like he doesn't think it's no. going to get him anywhere. He just thinks it's funny like he just yeah. thinks he's funny like a like a like oh, he's like a middle school boy who's like you know kind of learned some innuendo and stuff mm-hmm. for the first time <laughs> and trying it out on like the girls and everything's just eyebrow waggles and elbowing exactly <laughs> he's just like eh? eh and it's like eh? no shut eh? up <laughs> be quiet sit down <laughs> killian sit down on the bus I've been friends with a lot of Killians. Let me just say that in like <laughs> I elementary think we school. All have. <laughs> we I'm all like, have. I got lost in Killian. memory. That's why the pause. I'm we, like, we oh, all, yes. We've all had our Killian sit down on the bus moment. <laughs> <laughs> Hook denies knowing her plans, but agrees to take them on his ship. Amazed that Hook was able to sail the Jolly Roger to Storybrook, Leroy asks if he could sail back to the Enchanted Forest. Hook reveals the ship is made from enchanted wood, and they have been through many scrapes and seen many strange shores. But in order to travel between lands, one must use a portal. David presses him again for more information on Korra, and Hook leads them to a cage where the unconscious giant is held prisoner, shrunk to human size. Korra's secret weapon is a sweepy boy. A precious sleepy bean! Just a little sweepy guy. A little sleepy guy. Sleepy bean. In the enchanted forest of the past, High above the beanstalk, Anton the Giant celebrates the impending bean harvest with his brothers Arlo, Abraham, Andre, and Argyle. Despite his name being Anton, they call him Tiny because of his small stature in the giant family, which is stupid because he's basically the same size as everyone he is sitting next to. I'm going to be that well, actually, asshole for a hot minute. Out of all the actors sitting at this table, Jorge Garcia is the shortest. Don't be a well actually asshole, Chell. Shut up. This is why I'm here. I am the facts girl. No, you shut up. No, you. Stop all the violence. You times one million. <laughs> I am screen capping this to show the fans what I put up with. But we are serious adults making a serious adult show. All I came up here was to add that according to the Kitsuits, the giants are vegetarians, just like you, Lynn. More five three though. Yeah, I can't imagine what your nickname would be, but you're human. I'm three raccoons in a trench coat, and you know it. I guess. I didn't see the rest of these notes happen. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we do. We should tell our listeners that these notes happened in real time. I literally was going up to see that, saw her comment, and I was like, "Well, actually," and <laughs> it basically became an old school AOL chat. <laughs> it did. It descended into madness. Yeah, I guess uh this is the insight into our uh, our system is we we do type our our notes out first for to have our talking points and things like that, and then we definitely build off you know what we type. But this is a rare occasion where uh, I'm adding in like extra like little tidbits and factoids and stuff. And I'm seeing their commentary being made in real time and then adding my own commentary and then they're adding theirs and then so forth and so on. And this time me and Chell just kind of went. 
Yeah, this time it went wild. It went, it went <laughs> it's really usually wild. not this fuck wild. So no. uh, needed to be documented. Yeah, don't worry. It's getting screen capped. <laughs> so all you lovelies can see it and see what we're like to each other. <laughs> For real though, Lynn is three raccoons in a trench coat. Absolutely. It's why I'm so dexterous. I've got my tiny thieving hands. Aww. Do you eat cat food too? Do you knock down the cat food? Ben, I mean, I knock down the cat food, but I don't eat it. Okay. I just like the mayhem. I just That's like true. the mayhem. I knock I wonder, it down and I skitter. Well, if you're five, if you're five three and three raccoons, but I'm possum. How many? And I'm almost five eight, just shy of five eight. How many possums am I? Probably like seven. Okay. Depending right. on the size of the possum, I have seen some very big possums. I have seen some big possums. I'm going. I'm going off the. I'm going off the size, like of my friend the possum that I had at my old house. Yeah, Tiddlywinks wasn't very big. My Papa. My, my possum. Papa, there would have been like seven. Okay, I'll go with that. The Papa was a little small. I think with a normal size one, you probably got like six. Yeah, I feel left out. I'm just a human. I wish I was trash animals. No, you, you are. What are you? Animal. Yeah, I was gonna say, what what was the animal that? you Oh, picked? I did. I picked a pigeon. Yeah, I'm I was saying we started this podcast. We all picked a trash animal to be. Yeah, I true. picked raccoon. Chell picked possum. I was a pigeon. You're a pigeon. Oh, you're like nine pigeons. Because what are you, five? You're both like the same height. I'm five one. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm two inches shorter than Liz. She's two inches shorter than me, which is why I can't Actually, wear heels I at the wedding. Because oh, I, I would you. tower over her and look like Godzilla. <laughs> I have small dog syndrome. I wish I was like seven feet tall. Your presence <laughs> is very tall, I do have to say. Because I always forget that you're only five one. I'm only five one, yeah. She's taller than me when we sit down because she's got a longer torso. I do than have I a very do. long torso. Yeah, and I don't have a torso. I'm pretty much rib cage straight into hips, so I'm actually a couple inches shorter than her when we're sitting. Hmm. Because all my height's in my legs. Interesting. I'm gonna be just be creepily staring at you two when you sit next time, and <laughs> you're like, "What well, the hell is wrong with you?" It's funny because we sit down and we swap. That's because true. Because when we're I'm standing, I'm taller, and then we both sit down, and then it's like I become shorter. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you now know how to like, you know how to pose for your costumes and stuff. Oh, no, we've we've figured out we have we have various systems for making me appear shorter than her when we cosplay, at least for like photos, because we have to implement that a lot because big shoes can only do so much. Anyway, back to our show already in progress. What are the giants doing? When they stand up to toast, the giants realize Anton has a harp that once belonged to humans. Anton is the Little Mermaid. He just wants music lessons, Dad. I'm with you on the Little Mermaid analogy, though. I literally wrote down when we were watching it, oh my fucking God, is this the Little Mermaid but with giants? Jesus fucking Christ, once upon a time, if one of these men starts saying, but Daddy, I love him, I don't know what I'm going to do. If he is calling his brother Daddy, I'm going to have a sad. Or a squick. Why not have both? It's Christmas. Dream big. I think this calls for another, but daddy bit. <laughs> we did think Arlo was his dad when we were watching this, though. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They're all we, his brothers. We we did until the part where it was like, my brother. We make fun of you, but you're our brother. And I was like, I thought we were like, what? Dad, you're so much older than him. <laughs> well, Arlo was the dad of everyone. No. He acts like the dad. No. He sits he at does the act like the head dad. of the table and is like, brah, brah, That's because he's the oldest. Yeah. But Arlo. But brother. Brother. But brother. But brother. I want to play with the humans. I want to be where the people are, brother. (laughs) I want to see them dancing. He's he's either he's either the Little Mermaid or he's Lewis from Princess and the Frog, and he just wants to go play music (laughs) on a riverboat. Oh, (laughs) didn't go well, brother. 
<laughs> I'm glad that they didn't turn this into the singing harp. <laughs> from, oh my gosh, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I figured that was the reference was Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Can you imagine that with the level of CGI? <laughs> oh my god. Upon a time has though. Can I, you imagine I, yeah. how nightmarish that would have been? That would have been a horror show. <laughs> Well, what happens next would have been an extra horror show then. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, yes. Arlo reminds Anton why they no longer trade with the humans. Humans destroy life while giants foster life. Anton asks about the purpose of growing beans if no one uses them. This silences the giants who look at Arlo for an answer. He tells Anton that the labor is important. Abraham grabs Anton's harp and smashes it to pieces. Yo, fuck off, Abraham. You're a jerk. Oh, no. Abraham is being crap bag King Triton, and the harp was tiny Prince Eric's statue. Oh, no. But I, love the, but I love the harp. I love the harp. I want to play the harp, brothers. Aw, poor little poor guy. Tiny. Poor tiny. Poor He's tiny. just a sweepy lad. He is. Upset, Anton leaves the feast and walks through the lair. He reaches the beanstalk and decides to climb down to the human world. Back in the world without magic, Hook is persistently asked about Korra's plans, but he denies knowing anything and tells them to ask the giant, handing a key to the cage to Mary Margaret. Mary Margaret opens the giant's cage and wakes him. He is startled, but she assures him he'll be all right. He tells her his name is Anton and asks her if the witch is gone. When Anton sees David, he knocks him down, seemingly recognizing David as someone he once knew. Leroy tries to help, but is knocked on his butt too. Mary Margaret shoots an arrow near Anton to stop his rampage, which she does briefly before fleeing, declaring that David will pay for his evil. Oh, poor David is so confused. He is like, but I am but a simple himbo. I never done nothing wrong, never. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Wait, but I'm the good guy. (laughs) Meanwhile, Belle is sitting in the hospital and is approached by Ruby, who has a basket of comfort food for her friend. Ayo, here comes Ruby to steal your girl with her bisexual magnetism. Might as well. Mr. Gold is out of town. What happens in Storybrooke stays in Storybrooke. Plus, like, Ruby's real cute. Look at her. Mm -hmm. I know. And her little and her little faux fur wolf. Yeah, her yeah, little wolf sweater. Real wolf coat. She's, yeah. Real stylish in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, look at you. She's she's like, I gotta, I gotta uh, look my best. Mm-hmm. She gonna want to see my cute friend. And she's so sad that her cute friend can't remember her. I know. Aww. She brought her a basket and everything, basket of goodies. I know. It's very cute. Belle says that she does not remember her. So Ruby reminds the amnesiac that she used to come into Granny's diner a lot and spoke in detail about Jules Verne. Ruby brought her a copy of The Mysterious Island. After being reassured they were friends, Belle asks Ruby about the man who healed her and the fireball he wielded. In order to keep Belle from learning about magic, Ruby brushes it off as the tranquilizers that caused her to have nightmares. When Ruby calls her Belle, she grows angry and must be sedated by the nurse, who brings Belle back to her bed. In the hallway of the hospital, Ruby runs into Greg, who she tells to rest up so he can leave Storybrooke soon. Ruby is the queen of thinly veiled threats. <laughs> Damn, Ruby, uh, you're making it super sus. Yeah, if Greg didn't think something was up before, he sure does now. Also, dude, I don't think having Belle on tranquilizers was the best solution to all this. Like, this poor woman can't even catch a break when she has memory loss. And like, 
it's doubly shitty because this is probably the state she was in for the 28 years of the curse. Like, Belle, I'm so sorry what this show is always putting you through. For real, though. Yeah, it's got a real, like, harp out for Belle. It's really out for her. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, was one of the writers of this show deeply traumatized by Beauty and the Beast as a child? Because, like, I feel like they just really gunned for this woman. I know. Meanwhile, in Granny's diner, Leroy and Mary Margaret ask David about how the giant knows who he is. David is uncertain at first, but realizes the giant has mistaken him for someone else. Aw, look at him, putting two and two together. He's doing his best. He's simple. Bless him. In the enchanted forest that was, King George interrupts a tryst between Prince James and a woman. <sighs> Not the Cecil. Lock your door, you gross bastard. Guess this is the episode where we find out that Prince James fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> James introduces King George to her, but he changes the subject. According to King George, the kingdom is near bankruptcy and a giant has reached the outside realm. The woman remarks that she would love the opportunity to slay one, but King George orders her and James to approach the giant but not kill it. God, Prince James in the open black shirt was just the like most ridiculous thing ever. Josh really does sell the fact that this is a completely different person well. Like, James is so slimy, whereas Charming is so wonderful, and yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, just... really, they just needed to give him a mustache to twirl, I feel like. <laughs> really? Seriously? For because, real? Because, like, half of, half of his delivery in this episode is basically snidely whiplash. Yes, it's such a cartoon <laughs> villain. We quickly flash forward to Storybrooke as David realizes that the giant has mistaken him for his twin and calls Leroy to gather the dwarves and keep an eye out for the giant. So there was a deleted scene somewhere around here and when we next see Snow and Charming. The scene features Mary Margaret and David in the Storybrooke mines wanting to talk to Albert Spencer, a.k.a. King George. This is where, like, they decided to lock him up <laughs> because they were... Because why not? Yeah, it, well, it was because they didn't want to have a vigilante killing if they kept him in like the sheriff station. But despite his heinous crimes, David says that they can't send him to state penitentiary for killing a mouse and attempting to murder a werewolf, which I'm just kind of like, he was a human human when he killed him though. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm like. There's a dead body. And Ruby's a girl. So it's for killing a man and attempting to murder a woman. Yeah, exactly. I just, just, I'm glad they got rid of this scene, to be honest. (laughs) Spencer attempts to make a deal with David, information on Anton in exchange for giving him an honorable death. David refuses, of course, and he and Mary Margaret leave to deal with Anton themselves. But frankly, Charming just should have did this whole show a favor. (laughs) Yeah, but then he can't just suffer down there thinking about his life choices in the dark and the damp. Yeah, that's true. maybe, Maybe the damp will kill him. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> this cut scene is a lot less fun than the last cut scene with Hook and his cello. Hook and his cello. I love Hook and his cello. <laughs> Back in the past, Anton looks in at humans at a tavern, but walks away, unable to join them. He is then approached by James, along with the woman seen earlier. Prince James warmly welcomes Anton to their realm and agrees to show him around the enchanted forest, but Anton is too big. As a remedy for this, the woman offers Anton a mushroom she obtained after slaying a Jabberwock in another land. Anton asks the woman for her name, and she tells him her name is Jacqueline, but most people call her Jack. We know this woman is going to suck, but her outfit is sick. I just like that it's a pretty nifty twist on Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, I completely forgot about James' special lady friend being Jack the Giant Slayer. 
even though this episode is is kind of ridiculous kind I really, of <laughs> very ridiculous <laughs> this this flashback is pretty ridiculous um i really love anton and i feel so bad for the sweet dude who just wants friends and these terrible people that are no he's adorable i will i will give him that i've got things to say and i will say them later but he is adorable he is adorable i love anton back in the land without magic Emma, Henry, and Mr. Gold are at Logan International Airport in Boston. Precious being that Henry is, he asks Mr. Gold if he has ever been outside of Storybrooke before. Who wrote this? Why did they do this? Henry knows Mr. Gold hasn't been outside Storybrooke, and the look and tone that Mr. Gold gives Henry in his succinct answer of no carries the entire confusion of the audience. Like, kid, where have you been the last season and a half? Like, I get it, it's for the benefit of the new viewers, but Jesus, don't sacrifice good characterization for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like the only thing that I could even possibly excuse it with is just that, like, Henry's so excited to be on this trip. Is this true? Yeah. He's just like, have you ever done this or this or this? How about this? And he's just like, no, no, no. Do you want another Apollo bar? I've had three. I'm already having almost a complete nervous breakdown in this airport. Please stop talking to me, child. And Henry's yeah, just like, we're on a trip. Yeah. Emma got me a, a frozen latte from... Dunkin' Donuts. He's just just like jittering. He's like, Emma gave me sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Gold's just like, oh God, this is such a long I do love that. Yeah, Emma's like, hey, kid, like, let's easy on the questions and go look at the pretty planes or something. (laughs) While Henry's just like bouncing off the walls like a fucking rubber ball. I know. (laughs) Henry then asks Mr. Gold if he is nervous, to which Mr. Gold also replies, no. Being a delightfully curious boy, Henry further asks if Mr. Gold is scared to meet his son and remarks that it must be hard to not use magic and be like everyone else. (laughs) Oh, man. Next episode is just, oh, I can't fucking wait. Emma gives Mr. Gold the heads up that they will need to remove their shoes to go through security, a fact which makes Mr. Gold grimace and remark how terribly uncivilized. Big same rumple. I know, for real. I'm always like, God fucking damn it. I always feel so incredibly put upon just being like in my stockings at the airport because like I always wear skirts and dresses. So it's stockings. And I'm just like, just like padding along in my tights being like, this is the worst day ever. Because of my pacemaker, I have to go get pat downs. So it's even extra fun for me. While going through security, a TSA agent tells Mr. Gold to remove Bay's shawl and his cane. Rumpel is about to choose violence on another passenger when Emma quickly interjects, telling the man that her father is upset as they're going to a family reunion. (laughs) Oh, I'm just going to go giggle here in the corner. Okay, I'll be fine. It is pretty funny how indignant he looks when she says that he's just like, your father. Your father. His whole face just sucks in like a lemon when he says I know. (laughs) He's just like, your father. And it is kind of like, you are the reason I exist, you dumb shit. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude, get it together. <laughs> Emma vows that she will not allow Rumpel to forget who he is and convinces him to take off his shawl. After he does this, he feels disoriented. She quickly places the shawl back around his neck. Emma, such a good daughter. I mean, goddaughter. I mean, what? I said nothing. Well, all this is going on. Henry is just excited about Cinnabon. And I think that's adorable. Bless you, Henry. For real. Henry is an angel and I love him. Get him so many Cinnabons. Cinnabons is something that he only saw on TV. Like it's a mythical thing. Like exactly. He's just like, I don't, I want to go to the, he's like, I want to taste this Cinnabon thing. That's why he's so just like, oh, the airport has Cinnabon. It's like a chain <laughs> restaurant. A chain restaurant. I've never been to a chain restaurant. <laughs> no. They have a T-shirt Fridays here. 
second story, Brooke, Hook places a Queen of Hearts card on the cement in hopes of contacting Cora. Instead, Regina appears. And it's totally Regina that shows up. Nothing weird or suspicious here. She's super casual. <laughs> she blames him for not killing her mother, but soon tells him that they have made amends. She asks Hook if they have found his ship, and Hook says Cora should ask him for herself. She asks Hook if Cora's things are still on his ship, and Hooks tells her that while he was tied up in bed, not the good way, the giant escaped. Regina devises a plan after Hook tells her the giant became murderous when he spied Charming. Meanwhile, we see Anton dodging storybook traffic as he meanders through town. Back in the enchanted forest of the past, Anton is taken to a tavern by Jack and James. They treat him to drinks and then inquire about his family, who according to them do not appreciate him. Which, I mean, they're shitty people, but they're not wrong. They ply him with saccharine words, offering the kind of support and approval Anton has been desperate for. James leaves the table, leaving Anton alone with Jack. He looks over and sees James arguing with another man. Jack informs Anton that James' kingdom is indebted to another neighboring kingdom. According to Jack, they accept gold coins and magic beans as payment. He agrees to give them some of his treasures stored above his beanstalk, which pleases Jack. I am so big mad. Anton is just so precious and lovely, and these two are gross predators. No, I was just watching this scene going, those lying bitches <laughs> to both of them, like, poor Anton. Anton is very sweet, and he doesn't deserve this. Like, I will level, a lot of this episode is kind of absurd to me. But I do love him, and he deserves nice things, and not these two shitbags taking advantage of him. Yeah. Near a river in Storybrook. Anton sits alone until he is approached by Regina. <laughs> Definitely Regina. Definitely Regina. <laughs> who, is, who is totally Regina. Okay. 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 I, I have to level with you guys because I'm so focused on doing the recap and just getting the, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm making sure everything is accurate and going bit by bit by bit. I totally did not know that that was not Regina because I'm like, I'm way too focused on getting through the recap. <laughs> oh no, like, it's totally fine. And I, I'll, I talk about this at the end in our big wrap up, but the reason that I figured it out honestly was because Lana is such an exceptionally good actress. Yeah. And she so eerily and perfectly channels Barbara Hershey that I was all like, oh, that's fucking Cora. Yeah. And then I went, I went after I read your notes, off. after I read your notes, I went back on YouTube and found the scene. And I was like, oh my God, how fucking awesome. <laughs> like, I was just she's like, so she's good. so good. She's so she's good. So good. So good. Like, you're just like, oh shit, that's Barbara Hershey. Yeah. Like, it just is. I mean, it's Lana, but like playing Barbara. Yeah, but Barbara she, Hershey yeah. is so, she's so perfectly has Barbara down. Mm -hmm. It's like, Lana is so talented and she deserves all the awards yeah she does all, like, the, I, all the magic all the awards beans. all the, all the magic like, beans. <laughs> yeah because i feel like she's usually on stuff like this so you know you don't really she doesn't get the accolades she deserves yeah, but she's she so does. good she's, she's so, so good fucking talented my mm -hmm. god this this woman someone recognize her talent i love her i really want to watch um why women kill oh yeah, i've heard it it's supposed to be really good i'll watch it with you yeah she's in season three of it and apparently hmm. it's supposed to be absolutely killer in it. But I've um, seen some screen caps. But um, bum bum. I think someone else I like in it is in it too. So Lucy Lou is in the first season. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, I think it's Lana's in the second season. Lucy Lou's the first season, Lana's the second season. I think they just announced a third season. I don't know. Someone's gonna correct me on that. But I heard it's really good. 
Yeah, maybe we cut this out so people on the internet don't come for us. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise some guy's going to come and put his foot up on a park bench and um actually us. <laughs> and not in a fun way like I do. <laughs> don't you um actually me, Chuck. <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're talking about. You're just a little lady and I'm just here, you know, doing all the facts. <laughs> um, actually, miss, you'll find. <laughs> oh, Yvay, I don't even know where we were. <laughs> Uh, we should start again with the near river. <laughs> yeah, we're, right. we're in a van down by the river. Yeah. Oh no, down by the river. Get out right. of here. Near river in Storybrooke. Anton sits alone until he is approached by Regina, who, like we said, is totally Regina. Totally, totally, absolutely, and irrefutably Regina. He does not want to associate with a human, but she assures him that she is here to help. Regina admits that she does not like David either and offers him a piece of mushroom that returns him to his normal size. Gleefully, Regina, liberal air quotes because this is an audio medium, encourages Anton to go wreak havoc. Meanwhile, at the airport, anxiously, Mr. Gold paces the floor at their gate. Emma asks him what is wrong, and he grows frustrated. Gold leaves to go to the restroom, where he stares at his reflection before punching a toilet seat cover dispenser until his knuckles are bloody. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this. It's the funniest shit, and I know it's not meant to be funny, but here I sit, laughing my ass off. It was kind of funny. <laughs> it's got some anger issues. It's just been too long, I guess, since he smashed something with his cane, literally yesterday. I was going to say, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> nope, because he just smashed Hook with his cane, literally the night before. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the shop before hours. that. Yeah. Exactly. But he was getting antsy, so he guess he had to punch some toilet seat covers. Because, you know, why the fuck not, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> this this seems pretty ludicrous, honestly. <laughs> he got the rage. <laughs> he does. About toilets. About toilets. <laughs> Due to lack of magic in the outside world, he cannot heal these stupidly self-inflicted wounds. From outside the restroom, Henry calls for him to board the plane. Henry's just like, are you pooping? <laughs> we gotta get on the plane! <laughs> you pooping? You pooping? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back in the past, we return to the giant's lair. Anton begins packing up his golden treasures for James's kingdom. Arlo approaches him and asks about his whereabouts during the time he was gone. When Anton admits to going below to see the human world and intending to relocate for good, Arlo apologizes for teasing him, but assures him they are his family and love him. They soon notice sentry birds, which alert them to a beanstalk invasion. Arlo is also like, you showed them the beanstalk. Like, it isn't a million fucking feet tall. So, like, don't put this all on Anton, dude. I know. I was like, we saw before that you can just see the beanstalk. Yeah, it's just there. there. <laughs> and he's like, like, you showed them. And it's like, honey, 
did you think this thing wasn't obvious? We saw that in a few episodes ago. We just... Yeah, calm your tits, Arlo. (laughs) In Storybrooke, Anton takes out his rage on humans. He throws a car that narrowly misses Mary Margaret and David. David instructs the town's residents to flee to the town hall to get Leroy. He runs towards the giant and tries to convince him that his deceased twin brother from the Enchanted Forest was the one who hurt him. Leroy runs towards Mary Margaret, who tells Anton they are thankful for him because he gave Emma, their daughter, the Enchanted Compass. Anton wishes to speak to her, but he learns she is currently not in Storybrooke. Angry, he proceeds to chase them. I love Jennifer's delivery of, she's kind of out of town. (laughs) Like, she knows how utterly ridiculous and convenient the whole twin brother and Emma being out of town story sounds. I mean, mean, couldn't couldn't they have called her on the phone and put her on speaker? (laughs) Okay, but how funny would that have been if they, like, called her on their cell phone and then they just, like, placed the itty-bitty cell phone in his very big hand (laughs) and are like, talk to Emma. (laughs) And he's just, like, cupping it, like, hello? (laughs) I was what like, is, hey, buddy. What is this rectangle? What does it mean? <laughs> what have you done with Emma? Why is she this box? Why is Emma in a rectangle? <laughs> no. <laughs> I finally made a friend. You've, tra- you've trapped her voice. <laughs> I made a friend and you made her a rectangle. Sorry, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> Back in the past, James and Jack reach the giant's lair, prompting Arlo to prepare for an attack. Anton stops his elder brother and begins to tell Arlo they are his friends. To James and Jack, Anton says that he has the treasure and there is no need for them to come up with beanstalk. Oh, we're not here for the treasure, James says. We're here for the beans. All of them. Which is not a ridiculous line at all. (laughs) All of the beans. All All of the beans. beans. (laughs) They slaughtered us and took our beans. (laughs) It's just there's no... I'm trying so hard to take this episode seriously, you guys. You're doing a great job, though. (laughs) Thank you. Anton is confused because he thought they were friends, but Jack denies their friendship as she unsheaths her sword. Arlo tells the intruders that though the giants live in peace, they are prepared to fight. Jack and James run in for the attack. This is the part of the episode where I just kind of have to sigh and take a walk. Like, okay, fine, whatever. They have, you know, like poisoned weapons or whatever, but there's only two of these tiny people and there's a bunch of the giants and this is just so dumb. Just step on them. I give up. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite understand why it's ludicrous. Yeah. Like I'm just like if they had brought like a whole army, I would I would didn't. I would understand. And one like, of the brothers two of them. What, one, one of the, the brothers, brothers says like the human army. Yeah. So there was like meant to be an army. Like there's like it's supposed to be implied that there is an army that follows them up, but yeah, like but I we guess never see it because of budget cuts. We, yeah, we yeah, only ever see doing. just these two assholes, and it's like, this is stupid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, I mean, like, I mean, a part of the reason why I could never take this episode very seriously, like of the past ones, was because just so much CGI. And it oh, was yeah. like, it's bad. And it's it rough. was, it's really rough, and it was hurting my brain. And I was so confuddled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my, my, my head was just hurting so bad from it that it was really hard to like take in the emotion. Yeah. This supposed to be there. This, this story is really hindered. This flashback is really hindered from their limitations. I think this story would have been stronger if Anton just told it. 
if it was just like this is what happened to him yeah but yeah. i mean that's just not how tv works and that's, that's not how that's TV, the shit. No. yeah i mean and i know what they always say show don't tell but this is a situation where tell would have been better or it's like, yeah, or it's like don't your detriment in this show show us right but like hey but maybe have better? like on location set like maybe have like a either location or like a studio build the actual damn set or Or show a fucking army yeah at least some fucking extras because yeah the idea that like it's just these two people and there's all these giants and they're little people yeah it's like it's laughable it's like and if they wanted it to be like jack is this amazing giant killer then they should have done something cooler with her right like not just have her like stab an ankle like that's all you see her do that's all you see her do so you could have had her like have some like swashbuckling like rube goldberg machine antics or something that would have worked better for me i don't know just like look how clever and smart she is at smarting these giants or even like i don't know them knowing who she is and being like oh shit it's jack the giant killer Exactly. Ooh, or she's in like, trouble now. That ooh, kind of thing. Like maybe she used the mushrooms to like make herself bigger to like fight them one on one. Yeah, that see, oh my god, that would have been amazing. And that hey, would make writers, sense. We're doing your fucking job for you. And that would have actually made us. sense because she had the mushroom, <laughs> mushroom. from Wonderland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there's just so much they could have done that would make this not have felt stupid, but they didn't do it, so it does feel stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I come away with. I'm just like Elisa knows because she was sitting next to me when we were watching this for this episode. Right. And there were so many times that I just like shook my head and was like this is so dumb yeah <laughs> it was like all i had was just this is this is ridiculous and it's and it's a shame because it's a shame there's the storybook parts of this episode are good and i really like anton and 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 i i felt for him but the flashback is not well done no we'll get not to well that done. at our end of episode wrap up yeah well anton chases them through storybook Leroy asks about David's twin. He asks them why they're both named James, and David tells them they're not. Leroy asks him if his name is Charming. Mary Margaret tells Leroy that she gave him that nickname. David says that his name in the Enchanted Forest was also David. This whole scene is actually comedy gold, like the whole scene. It should have been filmed with like the Benny Hill <laughs> like like uh opening theme song in the back yes. like a lot of this episode <laughs> yeah we know that like we have a, f- a few listeners who are not interested in watching once upon a time except like through this podcast but please do yourself a favor and find this scene like dm us and we will send you the link like lee Ehrenberg is fucking hilarious and david's straight man act plays so well here as they are being literally chased by a giant this is like keystone cops level hilarity we have been blessed by two amazing Leroy episodes in a row. I wish we had like at least one of these great Leroy comedy gold scenes like once per episode because he is so great. He's so great. I, I love Leroy and I love him just being like, well, I'm going to call you whatever I want. Yeah. It's his response yeah. to like, well, what the fuck is your name? When it's like, <laughs> no, it's this. No, it's like, that. Like, yeah, it he's all like, like, I thought your name was James. He's like, yeah, it starts getting like, kind of who's on first. And Leroy's just like, I'm going to call you whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> So is your name charming? No, I gave him that nickname. <laughs> well, then what is your name? My name is David. No, not your curse name. No, my, my curse name is also David. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was teetering very close to being all like, no, what's on third? Yeah. <laughs> and and Leroy's just like, bah! Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I just, I love Leroy. Yeah. The man is all out of fucks and he is comedy gold. Yeah. They realize that if they run any further, they will reach the town line. 
David proposes a deal with the giant, his life in exchange for the lives of everyone in Storybrooke. Anton agrees and tries to stomp David. Leroy, Mary Margaret, and David are blown back by the debris as the giant stomps his foot in the ground. The effects of the mushroom abruptly wear off. When they approach the hole that he's made, they see a human-sized Anton holding onto an underground pipe to keep from falling through to the bottom of the pit. Sir, your hissy fit ruined the whole sewage system <laughs> infrastructure of this town. Because <laughs> you see that it like slammed through an entire pipe. It's just broken now. Yeah. It's like half the town doesn't have running water anymore. Very good. <laughs> There's a lot of temper tantrum in this episode. Well, this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, this is like the hissy fit episode. Back in the past, oh, the God. human <laughs> armies of two fucking people, because you never see anyone else, overtake the giants. Arlo runs towards Anton to inform him of this. To Anton's dismay, Argyle and Abraham have both been killed. By the use of swords coated with poison, the humans have managed to kill all but two giants, Anton and Arlo. Arlo tells Anton he must protect the beans from the humans by destroying them all. No, the beans! Watered us and took our beans. The beans! <sighs> anyway, back in Storybrooke. Anton struggles to maintain his grip on the pipe. Granny ties a rope to the back of David's truck so David can go underground to rescue him. The dwarves stabilize the rope as David scales down the concrete edges of the hole. When he reaches Anton, Anton refuses his help. Instead, he says he should let go. But David insists that Anton does not really want to die. At this, Anton grabs David's hand. They are both pulled back to safety with the help of Storybrooke citizens. After they are saved, David assures him that they are not like his brother. I was half expecting the scene to end in a group hug. Either that or one of those like, like everyone clapping. Oh, everyone applauding. Yeah, scenes. <laughs> we return to the past. Screams. Why? I don't know, because life is suffering, princess. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who tells me otherwise is selling is, something. Is selling something. <laughs> I know that's not the exact line. People on the internet, don't come for me. Don't you well actual me, internet. Um, actually, I want a divorce. No, <laughs> we haven't even gone to get married yet. <laughs> well, don't you well actually me then? <gasps> Fine. Better put that on your vows. <laughs> <laughs> I promise to never um actually, actually you. Yes. We're back in the past now. Okay. Screams fill the giant's lair as Jack stabs Arlo with her sword. She attempts to run, but is grabbed by Arlo and stabbed with her own sword. Whatever. Fucking whatever. Jack falls to the floor in pain and cries for James' help. He refuses to come to her aid, saying he is a kingdom to run and he is a colossal fuckboy. Yeah. I do love that this is when we... Like, this is the episode where we see evil James. It must have been so much fun for Josh Dallas to play both roles without sacrificing the goodness of Charming. It's the Sabrina the Teenage Witch principle. One twin is always evil, so I guess James gets to go into a volcano. <laughs> oh, that's the old one. Yes. Yeah, okay. 90s Sabrina. Okay, I was like, I didn't finish The Chilling Adventures. No, but... no, that's 90s okay. Sabrina. There's a whole season where she has to figure out the family secret, and it's that every Spellman has a twin. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then they have to go through the whole thing to figure out which one is the evil one. And if you don't like <laughs> pass the series of tests correctly, you're the evil twin and you have to go in the volcano. See, they should just make it simple, like uh, the Simpsons evil twin, like with Hugo and Bart. <laughs> or do Star Trek and be like, well, if one of you has a goatee, then a that's goatee. a giveaway. That's right. Either a goatee or way more eyeliner. Than your mm -hmm. mirrorverse. Mm -hmm. Or showing more stomach. Or showing more stomach because everyone in the mirrorverse has abs for days. Mm -hmm. oh, mirrorverse, everybody was just so smoking hot, hot. my god <laughs> so hot 
God, I love original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Right now. Oh, I was talking about Discovery. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh my both God. Yeah. Both is good. Both, both is good. Both is good. Why not? Both? I was, I mean, I was going original because I was going, you know, traditional Spock with his little goatee. And well, yes, I knew that, but Mirrorverse, I meant and, uh, Discovery. Because I mean, original Star Trek Mirrorverse had Uhura and her little crop top. Mm-hmm. Oh, looking so good. With her dagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Nichols with her amazing abs and her dagger. Shit. Yeah. Screen caps. So good. So good. But not in Star Trek. Disappointingly, oh. still in the past <laughs> that we hate. James, the fuck boy, continues to gather the treasures and promptly makes his way down the beanstalk, leaving Jack to die, you know, like an asshole. Yeah. Meanwhile, Arlo collapses on the floor next to Jack. He presses Anton on whether the beans have been destroyed. Anton has successfully destroyed all of the beans, but Arlo gives him a cutting that can grow a beanstalk. Because Anton salted their fields, Arlo tells his little brother that he will one day find a new place to grow it. Before he can say any more, Arlo dies. And Salem has a pity. I was just going to say, wow. Yeah. I know, Salem. It's, it's not great. Let's go. In Storybrooke, the heroes take Anton to Granny's Diner. Anton mentions that he'll probably live in the woods because he's not good at fitting in. But Leroy assures him that Storybrooke is home to all kinds of creatures and he will fit in. Mary Margaret says that they have made this land their home, since there is no way to go back to their old land. Anton shows them his stem of beanstalk that could grow magic beans. So at some point in this scene, Leroy is like talking up Granny's Diner and her lasagna. What is it with the show and lasagna? There has to be some sort of like inside casting crew joke, because Regina has a famous lasagna. Granny has a famous lasagna. People eat a salad or a patty melt or something. I like, I want to go eat at the fish and chip spot that's near Mr. Gold's pawn shop. Like a bitch here loves lasagna, but good God. I want lasagna. Tweets their own lasagna. Tweets their own lasagna. lasagna. I bet granny doesn't put pepper flakes in her lasagna like a fucking criminal is what I had written. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess now I get to include it since Chell brought up lasagna. If granny ate the pepper flake lasagna, she'd be like, got a little kick to it. Oh God, the the white white people thing. Yeah, The white people thing when you give them anything with the tiniest bit of spice and they're like, oh, that's got some kick to it. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom says that. I'm like, yeah, it's called smoked paprika. It's not a kick. (laughs) It's called flavor. (laughs) Called flavor, lady. It's called flavor. I know you're used to this bland-ass mayonnaise food, but good Lord. Dude, and I love me some mayonnaise, but... I do not. No. I have an open campaign against mayonnaise, as in I hate it. That's one of your few open campaigns that I'm okay with you being against. A lot of your other food wars we don't see eye to eye on, but I agree with you on the mayonnaise one. Ooh, I want to know what the source of contention is other than pepper. Oh, I like pepper. Her war on cake? I don't have a war on cake. I I have a war on cake. It's all right, Lisa. I like pie better. I like, I like ice cream better. I like cookies better. Yeah. I like most desserts better than I do like cake. Here's the problem. Amen. Cake is my favorite thing to make. And she's no. all like cake. I like when you and make I'm me like, shortcake. I like when you make me shortcake. I like shortcake. I like angel food cake. See, but here's yeah, the thing. Too. I like to I be like able to make cake. more than one kind of cake. I like angel food cake. I love making Can cake. Can you make me angel food cake? Pound cake. What about the kind of cake I want to make? Why does no one care about the cakes Lynn wants to make? <laughs> what Lynn, kind of cake? What, Lynn, so what cakes? kind of cakes do you want to make? So many. I have a whole cookbook that's just cakes. And do I make any of them? No, because I live with Little Miss Pie is better. Pie is better. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, don't I want did. to be on this podcast anymore. <laughs> 
I'm going to go start a new podcast with other people who all just go, you're right, Lynn. Cake is amazing. You know what's even better than cake? Cupcakes. Let's make some together. Cupcake break, people. Well, here's the thing, Lynn. I, if you made cupcakes without frosting. It would just be a muffin. (laughs) I would like it. (laughs) It would be so good. And I don't dislike cake. This is an audio medium, so no one listening can see the fact that my eyes have rolled clean backwards in my skull. But when you make cake, I eat it and I love it. Now you're just sucking up. No, but I do. You make the best cake. You're just sucking up because you don't want divorce number two in a single episode. Make the best cake. I love the strawberry shortcake you make me. It's one cake. I want to make different cakes. I like the chocolate orange cake you made me. I want to make different cakes. Make different cakes. I love cake. Cake is my favorite thing to make. Different cakes. You're like, but what if there was pie? You know, I thought what you were going to bring up is the fact that I hate SpaghettiOs with a fiery passion. You do hate SpaghettiOs with a fiery passion. And I've never actually had SpaghettiOs in my life. I just looked at them and went, Yeah, this is a completely uneducated opinion that you have. Okay, I'm on Lynn's side here. No, SpaghettiOs is fucking delicious. No, they look so gross. You've never even had them. You have no (laughs) idea. I don't even eat the meatball ones. Like, they're just the straight up vegetarian ones are the best. Yeah. Mm. Plus, when you're a poor college student which is when i ate a fuck ton of spaghettios mind you mm-hmm. they're great because they're like 60 cents a can yeah yeah that's what ramen's for Ugh. there is only one kind of top ramen that is vegetarian and it is deeply disappointing well that's why you get spices and you put extra spices in it once you start buying extra spices it's no longer cheap yeah that's true all i have to do is open a can of spaghettios and put Put it in the microwave and ta-da, mm. I have dinner. Don't put the can in the microwave, this- Lynn. <laughs> well, okay, I stepped out. I left out. It goes in a bowl. <laughs> can in the microwave. I mean, I guess you can do it on the stove, but like a bitch is hungry and doesn't have that time to wait. I like that we're preferring arguing with each other and bickering over going over this episode. Because <laughs> it's a ridiculous episode. You know what, Lynn? You should make a strawberry infused like vanilla cake. Spaghetti cake. <laughs> No, you fucking sicko. Lisa, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's where this was going. No. <laughs> I'm Strawberry thinking of cakes that cake I would sounds eat. good. That sounds good. Yeah. I like cakes with lots of fruit in them because I like fruit. I don't like fruit cakes, but I do like, you know, cakes well, with no. fruit in them. Fruit, fruit oh, cake I don't like, is, I've never had a fruit cake before. They're but disgusting. You, anything you can use as a doorstop is not something you should be eating. Yeah. But I mean, I like cakes where like that has the whole like middle layer with like all the fruit in it. I like anything with delicious. the custard in it. Anything with a custard and, I'm, and I'll eat it. I'm simple. I just really like cake. Yo, man, cake can be really complex. Yeah, cake is good, yo. I'm, I never I, said cake wasn't good. You've wrinkled your nose. Some cake is not good. Some cake is not good. Some like, cake is not good, but you do a lot of generalizing about cake and frosting. Not a lot of frostings are good. Those you ones make good like, frosting, though. I yeah. do make good frosting, God damn it! You do make good frosting. I want a cake now. I will make you a cake. This cake is great. I don't even remember where we were anymore. I talked about lasagna. So after... Oh, so we must be on the... Yeah, okay. After inspecting the soil, Anton realizes that it will be capable of harvesting beans. He is hesitant because Cora brought him here because she knew he'd plant them. Mary Margaret simply answers by saying, we won't let her get to them. Leroy then asks Anton if he wants to help them dig. I thought you guys were miners, Anton asks. Leroy shrugs and replies, work is work. Leroy dabbles in many things. He is very talented. This is becoming a Leroy Stan account, and I don't care. We stan a Leroy. We mm-hmm. stan Leroy in this house. Anton accepts their help, and Happy gives the giant a pickaxe. 
When he holds the pickaxe, it reads Tiny, which is the nickname his brothers gave him. They continue to break down the earth using their pickaxes. So cute. Also, I love that Charming is like, hey, I worked in the mines. How come I didn't get a nickname on my enchanted axe? And Leroy is all, because you ain't a dwarf. (laughs) And it's a really clever way to, one, tidy up a little inconsistency. And two, see that Tiny has a new tribe. It's, It's very adorable. It's a very endearing scene. Yeah, Anton being basically adopted by the seven dwarves at the end of this episode is genuinely heartwarming. Like, this is the family he always should have had, and it's very sweet. Him being adopted by the dwarves is the cutest thing in this episode, just like hands down. Like, I find a lot of this episode silly to the point of absurdity, but this part was genuinely sweet. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Belle is reading the book Ruby gave her. Greg comes into her room and tells her that he was the one driving the car in the accident. He admits overhearing her conversation with Ruby and confesses that he does not think Belle is crazy as he saw the fireball too. Dun, dun, dun! Thanks, Yes, very good. Oh, she's going to divorce me again. I'll just take my cakes and go. No! (laughs) Baby, come back! That evening, David and Mary Margaret get coffee to go as they stroll home and begin talking about his twin. David wonders if he would have turned out corrupt like James if he had been the one raised by King George. Mary Margaret knows him and knows he would not have. They discuss going back to the Enchanted Forest now that they have the beans, which doesn't get any less ridiculous anytime you say it. The beans! The beans! Mary Margaret does not want to leave Emma in one world while she is in another. David assures her that Emma and Henry have each other and will be safe. God damn it, Charming. Just let Snow get a nice house in Maine and hang out with her daughter who she hasn't gotten to see like her whole life. Stop trying to ship everybody off to Dangerland where everyone gets the pox and no one's heard of antibiotics. (laughs) There's showers here for fuck's sake. Showers. (sighs) These two are just adrenaline junkies. Like, I feel like the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. Why do you want to leave me? Get married. Make babies. Like, just stay here and just enjoy having your daughter and grandson around. Like, open a Zipline X Games camp if you're that desperate for adventure, Charming. I know, because he's all like, we could do it all the time. And Snow's just kind of like, today was, today was fun. Today was, today was fun. That's all that needs to be said. Let's go home. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I do feel like she's like humoring him. Like, just like, ah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) meanwhile mr gold emma and henry are now aboard their plane henry is excited about their adventure and his cinnabon but mr gold is less enthusiastic emma reassures mr gold noticing the bandages around his hands she quietly promises that they will find his son the overhead pa announcement prepares the passengers for the flight to new york end credits okay so now we got to talk about this episode so i will level i know i mentioned this before But there are definitely things and subplots I like a lot in this episode. But I absolutely cannot take this damn thing seriously. Like, the main Enchanted Forest plot to me is just, it's it's ridiculous. If a seven-year-old had written the Enchanted Forest plot and given it to me, I would be like, good job, kid, solid story. But as a grown-ass person wrote this episode, I just rolled my eyes so much it hurt. Like, the land without magic parts I'm good with. And if that's all it had been, it would have been solid for me because there are some genuinely good parts to it. Like Domestic Snow and Charming, I love it. The Family Adventures of Emma, Gold, and Henry, great. Dwarf Found Family, here for it. Enchanted Forest Plotline, no. But, but, one of the good things I do want to talk about here, though, is 
and who gives a shit if it's spoiler, not me, that's who, is the not Regina plot, because that's definitely Cora, and I want to talk about Helena absolutely slayed. Like, she has Barbara Hershey down, not just mm-hmm. her cadence when she talks, but she even mimics her exact facial mannerisms. I don't know if you have noticed this, but Barbara shows a lot of teeth when she talks and does a lot of lip pursing. And Lana managed to basically rearrange her facial motor skills to mimic that perfectly. And it was masterful. Like she even laughs differently when mm-hmm. she core Regina. So I think my biggest takeaway from this episode was just, holy shit, Lana, get it. Because she is so good. So good. Absolutely. So good. Also, who here is laughing at the fact that they drove literally hours to Logan International Airport for a 42-minute plane ride? <laughs> like, oh my God. We have expanded the land without magic, like unlocking new regions of this world, like so much in this season. And yet Portland, Maine still remains unlocked. It's like at another level that they will never get to. <laughs> I don't know. The East Coast baffles them, I guess. I guess so. And I'm just like, I do not understand you people. Because it's just like, Jesus Christ on a pogo stick. The writers for this show never cease to amaze me in their lack of like regional logic. Okay, that aside, I like this episode. It's fun. I mean, and when I say I like this episode, I agree with Lynn. (laughs) Like, I like this episode overall, but... It, it is ridiculous. It's a fun episode and they managed to fit in like a lot of character development in this episode. But like I said, Lynn is right. Some of those Enchanted Forest scenes are woof. Like they are just ludicrous. And a lot of it to for me is like down to CGI and a little bit of laziness. Like, hello, just throw in some fucking extras. Make it look like an army. <laughs> Make a CGI army since you're going the CGI route anyway. Because I would say that the Enchanted Forest scenes felt like almost like ABC Family Kids Hour portion because you have like these very big emotions and stuff and like these very noble, idyllic giants that probably read better on paper than they do, than they translate to the screen. But then you have like James and Jack and they're ready to make the sexy times. So it was just like all over the place in tone. But Storybrooke plotline completely killed it. But I want to get on the uh, Lana love train because damn, the timbre, the cadence, the ticks, and the expression, she just nailed it. So I'm sure her and Barbara Hershey hung out to like get this down. They had to have. Yeah. I feel like she just like studied Barbara. Mm-hmm. Like she just was like, just talk. I'm going to watch you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just talk. Just talk. Not weird. It's not weird. I swear. <laughs> Nothing weird about it. <laughs> oh man i don't know barbara hershey did a lot of horror movies she probably would just roll with it <laughs> yeah i would agree with with both of you because there's a lot about this episode i like and then a lot that just didn't work for me and i think the main takeaway is i wish this flashback wasn't a shown flashback because then i think anton's backstory would have held more weight if we didn't see it acted out this way i think it could have been acted out better just even in the future, a few more extras, just anything. Some of these CG environment episodes can get really rough. And this one, this one was a tough one. I did really like the land without magic scenes. And I 100% prefer those scenes to do the flashbacks. And I think this episode would have been a really great one if it was just the storybook plot. And then the Emma, Gold, and Henry storyline as like its B plot. I think it would have been a stronger episode. But even besides all that, even with the ridiculous side, like, I, I think this is a fun one. I had a fun time watching it. Jorge Garcia is a is a joy to watch. And I think the character Anton himself is very sweet. And it's already been said a lot, but like, oh, Lana is 
so good. She does a killer job as Cora disguised as Regina. And I cannot get over, just like you two, how incredibly she transforms herself into Barbara Hershey from her mannerisms to her speech. And, and I know it you know, hasn't been revealed yet, but it's just, it's so obvious because Lana is so good at playing someone else playing her. And that can't be an easy thing to do. Yeah, also, I like the scenes between Emma and Gold. I thought those were great. Yeah, one of those episodes where two out of three, great time. Yeah, two out of three. Two out of three, it's a great time. Just the flashbacks are just a little rough for this one. But I think with a little more polishing, this could have been a much better episode. But I still enjoyed two out of three. Yeah. Hey, costumes. All right, so Charming in The Land Without Magic has a shirt that's like almost purple. It's, it's not quite his normal blue. It's purple. And it looks really good on him. He looks very handsome. I liked the purple. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think the standout costume for this episode was probably Jack. She's the worst, but her main outfit is so good. I love Jack's outfit. It's I love, really good. It's so good. And I'm not going to say when or where or on whom, but we do see that outfit again. It does get repurposed. Do well, that's so. good because it was a yeah. hell of a good outfit to waste on a one-off shitty character. A one-off character. Yeah, no, no, no. Another character is going to wear it. It is not going to be Jack's, but yeah, it will be seen again later. I do love Jack's outfit, but I didn't love James's weird meat-looking doublet. Like, it reminded me of Dracula's gross sinew armor from the Gary Oldman movie. It kind of squicked me out. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at this. I'm gonna it's nasty looking. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm looking right now at like gallery. But I did really love Snow's cute little coat and hat she wore while she was running around with her bow and arrow. She looked adorable. Yes, she did. She have a bobble hat or did she have a beret again? She had a little beret. beret yeah. It was a beret, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- and then she just had like her cute little coat and her little her little jaunty knee high boots with a little bit of a wedge. It looked very cute. So, it's time to play Who's That Guest Star, in which we discuss guest stars. In Season 2, Episode 13, we have Cassidy Freeman as Jack. American-born actress Cassidy Freeman is best known for her roles on Smallville, Longmire, The Vampire Diaries, Doubt, and her current role as Amber Gemstone on The Righteous Gemstones, a show which follows a world-famous televangelist family with a long tradition of deviance, greed, and charitable work. It actually looks really funny. Like funny in like a succession sort of way. So I don't know if it is, but I actually kind of want to check it out. See Ernst Hearth as Abraham. Canadian-born Hearth is best known as a character actor. It has been featured in shows such as Arl Stein's Haunting Hour, the revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Haters Back Off, Smallville, and Supernatural. Fun fact, this was not his first role on Once Upon a Time. He was the ogre seen in episode two of season one during Regina's gathering of the D-list baddies. Oh. I also think that he was in Desperate Souls. So this is like his third role on uh, Once Upon a Time. So very interesting. Abraham Ben Ruby as Arlo. Abraham began his acting career in guest spots on TV shows such as Roseanne, where he played young Dan Connor and Married with Children, where he played Cousin Jimmy. Both of these episodes are remembered very fondly by narrator Cheryl, aka me. So I recognize Abraham instantly. He went on to co-star in Parker Lewis Can't Lose, a sitcom knockoff of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which also holds a special place in my heart. Other recurring roles include Sleepwalkers, Men in Trees, ER, and The Bridge. His voice can be heard in animation and video games like Robot Chicken. He's 
by the way, the Darth Vader of Robot Chicken. Oh. He's his voice is featured on many <laughs> different iterations of World of Warcraft, including Shadowlands, Legion, and Battle for Azeroth, Big Hero Six, American Dad, It's Pony, and the Rugrats movie. He stands at six foot seven inches. That's tall. Yeah. He tall. Boy. He a tall boy. He tall. And last but certainly not least, Jorge Garcia as Anton, aka Tiny. American actor and comedian Garcia first came to public attention with his performance as Hector Lopez on the television show Becker, but he is most well known for his portrayal of Hugo Hurley Reyes in the television series Lost. Hurley. Hurley, the best character yes. other than Benjamin Linus. That is not surprising to me that you love. How 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 would that ever be surprising to of anyone? Course, who has ever met of course, that's of course your favorite character. Of course. Lisa, who's my favorite character? Your favorite no, character I, is Desmond. Oh, okay. Desmond. Yeah. I could so like, I haven't watched a lot of Lost, but you know who my favorite character is. Your favorite is. character is Desmond. So when I when we, when the show very first first started, Hurley and of course Charlie and Claire were all my favorites because I came for Emile DeRaven. And Hurley, yeah, is just so endearing that like I'm like, who could dislike this good boy? You know? But then yeah, as soon as they introduced Ben, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this is here's my guy. Here's my guy. My guy's right here. Jorge's other recurring roles include Alcatraz, How I Met Your Mother, Maggie, and Hawaii Five-0. Currently, Jorge co-hosts Kaiju Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast about movies with giant monsters bent on destroying mankind. Does he really? Nice. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah, it's still going. I love that. I love that for him. Yeah. It's him and Ralph Alpert. That's cute, and I love it. Yeah. Like, that's like the most active thing he's got going right now. And he got he got married in 2019, so... They're just, you know, living his best life, living his best life. You know what? Good for him. Yeah. All right. It's time to take a trip up the beanstalk of Once Upon a Timeline. Oh, uh, very good. Uh, okay. So this one is a little harder to place in the timeline so far, just because we haven't spent too much time with Prince James. Like eventually we'll see more sandwiched around it. But right now, the one key thing is that we know this episode's flashbacks happened before season one, episode six, The Shepherd. As we see the death of Prince James in that episode, and we have an alive Prince James here. Good riddance to bad rubbish. <laughs> That's okay. He gets grossly Game of Thrones. He does. He does. Yes, he does. Now it's our uh, new share and tell segment where we each share something that we're loving this week. I took my mom out for a Christmas surprise or early Christmas surprise. Our local second run theater was showing the last Daniel Craig, James Bond film, No Time to Die. We missed it when it first came around in the theaters. By the time this episode airs, I'll also have seen Spider-Man No Way Home, and I am very much looking forward to it. I'm going to pretend right here that um, it was extremely enjoyable and that I loved it. So, yay. <laughs> I mean, everyone who's seen it seems to, so I think you will. Okay, I, I so. want to see it, but I need to see we behind Far from though, home baby. first. We haven't seen the second one. Mm -mm. So we're going to have to watch that so we can watch the new one. Yes. Uh, my, uh, my thing for this week is I have a working shower. Ooh. Yeah. Was I it haven't. not working? No. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's working now. <laughs> I've been using Elisa's because mine was not. But my shower works now, and I'm very happy. That's it. Also, I met Mirabelle, a California adventure, and she was adorable. Go see Encanto. This is my second week telling you to. Go do it. Yes, I agree. Go see Encanto, everyone. It's perfect. And it makes me cry in the best ways. And we've now seen it twice. Mm -hmm. 
Also, we found a Japanese place that will deliver vegetarian Japanese-style curry to us. And it makes me very happy because I will make it at home, but that's a lot of work. It's a and, lot of work. And getting it delivered to us is so exciting because like, there's a lot of Japanese places around us that have curry, but a lot of them are made with chicken broth and we can't eat that. But this place specifically has vegetarian and it's delicious. Makes me well, happy. Yay. That makes me happy for you. They also have furikake fries. And they have furikake fries. Ooh, yum. Very mm-hmm. good. Very good. And they want a selection of onigiri. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And tacos that are made with seaweed shells. Ooh. Are they only vegetarian or are they? No, like no. The, there's, there's sushi ones. There's like sushi tacos that are made with. Oh, okay. And you also have the option of like on the curry of not making it vegetarian. But the fact they have vegetarian options is really good because almost impossible for us to get vegetarian Japanese curry around here. And we really missed it because it used to be very easy in the Bay Area. I, I will now admit to stealing some of your curry when I was there and making it for myself. Because <laughs> it's delicious. That's fine, yeah. dude. <laughs> and besides, we gave you free range to eat. Whatever yeah, you had in our care kitchen, of our so. children. Exactly. Yeah. And plus I bought you rice because I used all your rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For my curry. <laughs> so, we fine. We fine, dude. We fine. It's all good. Also, before we wrap up, I wanted to say that we have many new ways to interact with the podcast. First off, listeners are now able to rate podcasts on Spotify. So if you're enjoying the show and have a moment, please let us know there on Spotify. Oh, yes. Please rate us on Spotify. That does help. Also on Spotify, we have been posting questions along with the recent episodes. And Chell has also been posting very fun weekly polls for each episode on Instagram. So check those out after the new episodes go live. Finally, on Anchor FM, you can actually leave us a voice message or a question for us that we can potentially include in future episodes. They can. Yeah, they can. On Anchor FM, I just turned it on. So if you want to, you know, join the narrators for a little bit, you can you can leave a message. Isn't that cool? I thought that was pretty cool. So would we potentially play that in the episode or would we just answer like we play it only to ourselves and then we would answer it? We could put it in the episode. Mm. We'd have that ability. Wow. Yeah. We love it when you interact with us. Yes. Please talk to us. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. So lonely, Lynn. We're lonely. Please talk to us. Please talk talk to us. us. We can't be the only ones to do like this deep critical thinking on (laughs) once upon a time. (laughs) Validate us. Validate us. Notice us, senpai. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. While Mr. Gold, Emma, and Henry go in search of Gold's son, Balefire, in New York, Cora, Regina, and Hook attempt to track down one of Rumpelstiltskin's most treasured possessions. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin realizes his destiny while fighting in the Ogre Wars. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this story is, if you don't have the budget to tell the story you want, find a different way to tell the story. Or if all else fails, put more Leroy in the story. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Leroy. Hell yeah, Leroy. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. 
If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Poor David is so confused. He is like, but I am but a symbol, himpo. What? But I am but a symbol. Oh my god. But I am but a symbol. Symbol. Oh my god. <laughs> but I am but a simple himbo.